0: The first reading is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever.
1: The second reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away this is the word of the Lord
2: on the 11th of November 1918 Private Arthur Wrench who was in the Seaforth Highlanders he wrote this in his diary I think it is quite hopeless to describe what today means to us. We who will return to tell people what war, what war really is surely hope that 11am this day will be of great significance to generations to come. Surely this is the last war that will ever be between civilized nations. And We know, don't we, how tragically wrong he was. As we know today, we remember all those who have fallen in wars past and present. November the 11th, 1918 was the, the date that the armistice was signed between the Allies and Germany on the Western Front. You may have a personal memory of losing someone from your own family or a friend but for many of us it will be an inherited memory passed on from a previous generation Uh, my father uh, and my father-in-law Sue's dad they served with distinction in the second world war but neither of them ever offered to share their experiences of war, other than some of the humorous bits. And over the years, Remembrance Sunday has increasingly been observed by people of all ages. As Debbie mentioned, uh, the, the school children were here on Thursday. And they demonstrated a deep understanding of remembrance and peace. We must be so thankful that we've got such good schools in our, in our area that teach these things. My abiding memory of uh, Remembrance Sunday is, is as a Boy Scout parading through the streets of Abergavenny to the War Memorial uh, and shivering in my shorts and, uh, and thin Scout shirt for what seemed to be hours. <coughs> Did you go to see the poppy field at the Tower of London uh, just a a couple of years ago. It was called Bloodswept Land and Seas of Red. And what a memorable sight it was. (coughs) Wendy and I went up the Shard on the day that we visited the, the Tower of London. And that provided an amazing panorama of the whole scene. It was unforgettable. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the photographs of that. And you may remember the red waterfall that tumbled down the outer wall of the tower into the sea of poppies in the moat. It really did look like a sea of blood. And those 888,246 poppies represented the British Empire lives that were poured out in the First World War. These events are history but for many war is not history but part of their lives. Many people are still being killed in various conflicts members of the armed forces and many civilians leaving more families and friends grieving. Many of these heroes have been recognised recently in Paralympic Games and in the Invictus Games which especially featured those who were traumatised or lost limbs in recent wars and it's so important that we remember them and don't forget the debt that we owe those who continue to go into danger on our behalf It's important that we are reminded of the dreadful cost of war and other atrocities if we are ever to live in peace. Most of us are wearing a, a simple red flower, today representing the Flanders poppy, which is an outward sign that we remember the sacrifice made by the men, women and children who gave their lives in conflict. And the poppy was chosen as the universal symbol of remembrance through the death of a friend of a man called John McCrae in Belgium in 1915. John McRae <clears throat> was kneeling at the grave of his friend and wrote a poem reflecting the scene around him. You've probably heard it before. In Flanders' fields the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard among the the guns below, we are the dead. Short days ago we lived, fell down, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. (coughs) Macrae wasn't happy with his poem and after writing it and reading it he left it on the grass by the grave and one of his fellow officers found it and he was so moved by the words that he sent the poem to England where it was published in Punch magazine and the scarlet poppy quickly became the symbol for soldiers who died in battle Almost 900,000 died in the Great War and 2 million were wounded. How ironic that we still call it the Great War. About 5% of the UK population was killed in that conflict. So why do we choose to remember these sad facts on November the 11th each year. Of course, the main reason is to honour those who paid the ultimate price in the fight to preserve justice in the world. The waterfall of poppies at the Tower of London reminds us of words from the prophet Micah. Let justice flow like rivers and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We remember the price that's paid in human suffering and, continually, uh, and, and and we should continually ask ourselves why it is necessary. Justice alone without mercy can become barbaric as we've seen in terrible beheadings and, and the bombing of civilians. The prophet Hosea said, What does the Lord require of you but to act justly? and love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. The concept of a just war is so difficult. There's often two sides to most arguments. World War I was was supposed to be the war to end all wars. And the magnitude of the losses don't seem to demonstrate very much mercy. Something went terribly wrong, and continues to go wrong. We need to be continually reminded of our history to ensure that the world continues to work towards peace and to consider what makes peace so elusive. It's a sobering thought that there's probably never been a time when conflict didn't exist somewhere in this world. So how can we achieve a global peace? It seems so hopeless more war will not bring an end to war. As we think over the many wars in which we've been involved, in the Middle East and elsewhere, we should ask ourselves, where is that peace for which we've worked so hard on so many fronts? How can we achieve God's vision passed to us by Micah and Isaiah? Nations will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. How can that be achieved when there's so much injustice in this world? The words that were read to us from the, the prophet Micah were written about 700 years before Christ. And he prophesied a future of hope, an ideal world, a world where nations come together in peace instead of war. His words came against a background of violence, with the the fall of Samaria in the north and instability in the region created by the aggressive superpower of Assyria. In other words, a world very much like our own. But he never lost faith for the future. His vision saw a time when the arms of war would be turned into farming implements and people would live in peaceful community. And we should also hope that God's plan will be fulfilled. <clears throat> Jesus was born into an occupied land and he lived and died there. The Jews were waiting for their king, the Messiah and they expected him to overthrow the Roman invaders by traditional violent means. Jesus came and taught peace to the disciples and anyone who would hear him, saying, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We too are the children of God. But Jesus' message, of course, didn't suit the Pharisees and the religious leaders because he threatened the status quo. He didn't fit their idea of anticipated, mighty and all-conquering Messiah. The local Roman authorities were worried that any unrest would reflect badly on them. They wanted a quiet life. So peace on the terms of the religious leaders was just fine. So Jesus, the light of the world, died for us in an act of terrible violence. Three days later, as the Son of God, he rose again, and he said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And the sword that Jesus brought was not a sword of violence, but the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It cuts through layers of deceit, injustice, corruption and all that produces violence, viciousness and the prime evil evil need to survive at the expense of others' lives or happiness. The peace which passes all understanding is not the peace of the armchair but the peace of God's reassurance in the midst of conflict. Jesus' way is not necessarily a way of tranquility, but a way of forcing evil out of dark places and transforming it into something good. Nowhere in the Gospel of Jesus does it say, do not resist evil. What God does say, which isn't part of any other faith, <clears throat> is you are to love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer explained it like this. Love asks nothing in return, but seeks those who need it. And who needs our love more than those who are consumed with hatred? They are utterly devoid of love. Who, in other words, deserves our love more than our enemy? Where is love more glorious and worthy to be praised than where she dwells in the midst of her enemies. The world in which Jesus lived and died was saturated with conflict. Jews against Romans, the pure against the in haves dominating have-nots, and Jesus is recorded in the thick of it, overturning the money changers' temples, confronting and casting out demons, ending up as the ultimate symbol of conflict, a cross. At the heart of the battle between good and evil, life and death. The kingdom of God was born in conflict. In the slaughter of the innocents and all that followed. But out of conflict came new understanding. New life, new beginnings... and for those with eyes to see the gracious works of God and ears to hear his words. Our faith teaches us that we are all created in the image of God. And as such, we're called to be God's agents, challenging injustice, inflicted pain and oppression, leading people to see beyond conflict towards change and new beginnings. Today we should surely honour the dead and remember those who suffered and who suffer still in the cause of freedom. But as Christians, we must, must do more than just remember. The poppy wreaths and crosses that will be laid at memorials today do more than remind us of those who gave up their lives for us. They also remind us that in Jesus, there is a hope, a hope for the future, a hope for love and faith and peace. So let us close with a prayer. Loving Lord, thank you for the way that you love us, even as sinners. Your Son brought your saving gospel message to all those who want to accept him and learn the vital importance of true repentance and forgiveness and peace. Help us work towards peace and justice in our world, even if this means danger and loss of life but let us bring transformation with your grace, humble and with mercy. We accept your plan that in the last days swords will be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Amen.